And you are Christine. Indeed, and we are Emily and Christine. I mean, the feminine Christine. Yay! How Yay. about that? This is a special holiday edition of the feminine critique. Now, granted, the last eight episodes in your feed have been holiday editions in one way or another. Uh, but this, I am finally not alone, Christine. You've been leaving me alone to watch all these Hall- Hallmark movies. I'm so sorry. It's okay. But I've been with you in spirit. You are. You are. And there's, uh, it, it's funny when, uh, I can't remember what movie that we were watching where this came up, but it was one of those, like, these Hallmark movies. I think Brandon was like, oh, is Christine doing them? I'm like, you know, no, I'm like, I've just been shooting them out. And he's like, oh, so she didn't get to say, uh, this movie? <laughs> Oh, and there sometimes, sometimes I feel like I'm just floating in a void, and then I, I, I realize, you know, some people really get my essence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, you're – we know you. It's all good. Oh, boy. Yeah, so I've seen you post a lot of cover art for uh-huh. these things and making interesting observations, mm-hmm. as you typically do. Um how how is it so far this year? Do you want to do you want to wait until you run through what you've been watching? No, no. I mean, I think I think it's fair to talk about my state of mind because um, <laughs> please do. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I am now. It's we're gonna. It's December fourteenth when we're recording. I would say I've been. I started watching these at the end of November, so I think I'm probably about like twenty something days into the Hallmark Cozy Cardigan Christmas experience. Um, it's a it's a whirlwind, Christine. It really is. Oof. It is a roller coaster yeah. because you you get, go through like lows, you go through mediocrity, you go through like movies that feel like nothing. It's like eating like rice, like flavored rice cakes where they're supposed to be tasty, but really they taste like nothing and they, they don't fill you up. Um, mm-hmm. And that's been a lot of them because I've done a lot of Hallmark ones this year. And then I've done a, a lot of older Hallmark. By older, I mean like 2008, 2010, which in Hallmark mm-hmm. terms is like 1955 because they make 20 movies a year. Exactly. And that's been interesting because you see they used to have a little more life before they got so cookie cutter. Like literally one of the movies is called A Cookie Cutter Christmas. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, and then I – like. I've gotten into like the Hallmark spell where then when I watched one that Lifetime aired, uh, I don't think Lifetime made it. I think it was made by some like Christian company and then Lifetime probably aired it. And it made me so angry. Really? It so it's, it's with Marley Shelton, who I like, um, Christian Kane from Angel, who I like, and Ernie fucking Hudson, who I, <gasps> Ernie Hudson, I love him. Christine, this movie made me so angry. It's about this couple who get a ghost angel child that only they can see, and she's trying to bring them together. Only the whole movie is so against the fact that this woman ever, that Marley Shelton decided to work. Oh, it made me really angry. 
Hmm. Yeah. Sounds uh, good. Exactly. But then there's been like joy. Like the one that I just put out was um, Every Christmas Has a Story uh, mm-hmm. made for uh, like, uh, Hallmark. And it's really like there's nothing special about it except I am pretty sure the entire movie was shot in two days. Oh, is this the Lori Laughlin one you yeah, posted about? Her hair never yeah. changes. Like, now, you, like, you've worn your hair down often, right? Yes. And is it identical every time you wear it down? Like, the part is exactly in the same place? No. No. But, but, maybe someone was doing her hair? I mean, maybe, but that's the thing. It's not just her. Every other uh, character in the so, movie also ha- – because there's one other character who has braids, like braided pigtails, mm-hmm. and there is one scene where she doesn't have them in, and I'm pretty sure that's the one day – because it's also like at nighttime, so I think that's like yeah. the one time they did a nighttime shoot. But she also has the same hair the entire movie. So you think they just banged it out in a weekend? I think they banged it up. Banged it, banged yeah. it up. I think they banged it out in like 48 hours. Because even they don't even have her do a lot of costume changes. Like she's wearing the same outfit for most of the movie, and it takes place over the course of a week. Wow! Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like That's... they're that good at this point, where they've they churn these out with like where everything is so easy. And like Lori Laughlin, who's done a lot of these movies, is like, okay, this is the scene where I. Um, I fall back in love with my ex-boyfriend. Got it. Okay, this is the scene where I find the true meaning of Christmas. Okay, done. One take. I'm I'm calling her one take Lori from now on because I'm pretty sure that's how it works. <laughs> um, what's the one that I liked that made me cry? Uh, Why can't I the remember? Twelve dates of Christmas. Oh, so sweet that yeah, one. It was a sweet one. Yeah, I have not come close to one of those this year. Oh, wow. I yeah. really lucked out on that one. You did. Though. That's like the one that I would genuinely say is a good movie. And Remember I know I've gotten other people to watch it, and they've all said the same. Remember the wrestling one with The Miz that we watched? Oh, of Christmas Bounty. Of course I do. Oh, man. I think The Miz has like two, like, had a, I know he had a new one last year, and I think he has another new one this year. I mean, he is the Lori Laughlin of the WWE when it comes to Christmas movies. I'm sure he's been told that before. So. <laughs> Without question. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, yeah, there. It's you know. I, I think um, so. I've recorded twelve episodes as of today. Uh, I think I want to do one more because I. I can't, was it Lifetime that did uh, a network? Is it no W? It's Picks. One mm-hmm. of the like the lesser channels did a black movie, mm-hmm. Christmas movie. Uh, it's called A Husband for Christmas, and Vivica A. Fox is in it. Oh my god, one of my co-workers watched this. Oh yeah, because Eric Roberts is in it too. That's how I heard about it, from Eric yeah. Roberts is the fucking So man. one of my co-workers watched it, and was reading down the IMDb thing, and said, oh, Eric Roberts is in this, and I meant to mentally catalog. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, oh. I, I feel like I have to see how they do it with more than one black person. Yeah. Um, so I think... That may be my 13th and final, but who knows? I may get a surge. My husband's going away this week, so I have a, I'm going to have a, way too much time on my own. Jeez. And that could mean that I bang out like five of these a day. <sighs> I wish you luck. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's, it's an experience, you know? It really is. Uh, but so that's, I mean, that's a good chunk of what I've been watching, but it ain't all. Okay. Uh, well, well, let's, before we, we talk about that, Christine, what are we what? talking about on today's show? Oh, boy. Okay, so we're talking about two movies. I know, shocking. 
one of them is about dogs. Uh-huh. And that's the search for Santa Paws. And then the second one is about cats, and that's something about Santa Paws, I think. No, that's Santa right? Claus. That's Santa Claus. Like, but with a C-L-A-W-S. Right, it's a pun, see, everybody. Okay. So the search for Santa Paws and Santa Claus. Yes, right? and it's good to be clear because there's a lot of Santa Paws movies. Yeah. Uh, so this, did you, well, I don't want to get into it now. <laughs> so Are you asking if I then Santa sought out the entire series? And So Santa Paws is, it's it's a Disney movie and it's in the Santa Paws, like the Santa Paws, not the Santa Paws, the Santa Buddies series. It's a Santa Buddies movie, yeah. So, I have to watch all of them now. Uh, I mean, maybe you do. I think I might, because they're all on Netflix. But, I digress. Yeah, it's like Disney's um, bargain department. Yeah. Uh, but it, it is a Disney not movie. Let's put the cart before the horse. That's true, because I'm about to call this a bargain movie before I talk about an asylum movie, and that's unfair. Santa <laughs> Claus, everybody, is made by the Asylum Studio, the studio that brought you Snakes on a Train and Paranormal Entity, which actually is pretty good. Um, so this is going to be fun. So many talking animals, so much slapstick, Christine. I don't know if people know this. Christine picked a musical for us to watch today. Uh, First of all, I didn't know. Second of all, I talked through most of the songs. (laughs) As soon as the movie opens and it's on a song, I paused it because I was laughing so hard. Not at the song, but at the realization that you were going to have that moment of, oh, fuck, realizing that you picked a musical. Yeah, it's not that bad, though. It's not like like laden with song it's just <laughs> punctuated with okay. song okay and i mean all the songs are very referential of annie so it's fine it, it they really are <laughs> yes they are oh boy so much so much to talk about talking animals before we do that christine the month of december what have you been watching all right i'll try to keep it short and and or sweet because we anticipate going on for hours about santa pots oh we will (laughs) um so i watched a documentary about wine on netflix i can't remember what it's called it might be called sour grapes (laughs) no wait wasn't that the movie with uh norm mcdonald or larry david there's a there's a documentary about wine on netflix is it good wine fraud it was infuriating Ooh. But okay. now I want to find out one of the, I want to find one of the fraud wine bottles because they started to destroy them and now to be subversive I want to collect the fake wine that they destroyed. Wait, what what is fake about the wine? So they would so people were like buying and bidding on and selling at auction this old like wine like like hundred year old wine, wine uh, from the fifties, uh-huh. really old wine, and then they some dude started like fabricating wine. He would he would mock up labels, and he would he would f- like mimic wax seals, and Ooh. he would just put it up for auction. And they fi- they finally figured it out. Like he was selling all this inauthentic wine. It was huh. just like you know, manufactured to look like it was from, you know, 1890. So then they destroyed it all. And now I want to find some. So I don't know. I guess it was okay. (laughs) 
it was it, it's it's a kind of about people who will spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on wine so like my sympathy is i was is, gonna say it's hard to feel bad at that point you're more like well good for that guy to figure out how to take advantage of people who have money to spare you know it toys with that a little bit is i don't know if you ever saw like that queen of versailles movie i did yeah and it's the same thing like i don't you're, you seem awful, and you're also very entitled, and I don't know if I care about your plight. Right. I have no problem with you losing money and not being able to build your dream house, whereas if it was about somebody ripping off, you know, I don't know, normal human beings, much like the people of uh, Queen of Versailles do in yeah. the way they rip off people on timeshares, yeah. um, that's where my sympathy is going to go. Yeah, so I mean, it was interesting. If you if you give any shits about wine, I'm sure you would like it. But I I didn't really care about wine. I just wanted a documentary to watch, gotcha. so it was all right. Um, we watched Christmas with the Cranks. <laughs> Is that the one with? Uh, I get that confused with um another one of those movies. Is this the one with Jamie Lee Curtis and Matthew Broderick? Yes. Which no, it's fa- ja- it's Jamie Lee Curtis and Tim Allen. Okay. Oh, wait, what's the one I'm thinking of with Matthew Broderick and Danny DeVito? Oh, I don't know. I get, I get these confused. How is Christmas with the Cranks, Christine? Terrible. <laughs> That's what I thought. Um, I don't know why. I think we started watching it as a joke and then just never shut it off. That, That's how I started this whole Lifetime Hallmark Christmas movie thing. Um, yeah, it was not great. Um, so I don't recommend it. Um... This was all around Thanksgiving, so on Black Friday at, like, 1 o'clock in the morning... You went, we went shopping. To, we went to Target um, and got a couple things. We bought Deadpool, so Wait, I re you actually do that? Yeah, we, we like to stay up late, so we'll go to Target okay. at, like, 2 in the morning and just see what they have. <laughs> all right, <laughs> I mean, like, I think that's crazy, but, you know... It is. It's, sure, it's crazy, like... I don't know. Maybe maybe this is an asinine rationale, but like, I, I'm not waiting in line. Like, there's nobody. Like, I'm not outside in a tent, and they're they're open. Whether I literally whether Christina's <laughs> there or not, they're open. Okay. So I just go and see if they have any movies. Sure. All right. So I got some movies really cheap, mm-hmm. um, and one of them was Deadpool, and I rewatched that. And another one was that Kingsman movie, and I rewatched that. Um, I like those movies. They're fine. Okay. Um, I assume if I watched, you bought them. Yeah, I watched a movie called Ghost Team. It is streaming on Netflix, and it stars Napoleon Dynamite. Comedy? Like horror comedy? It's not horror. Okay. It's thinks it's a comedy. Oh, dear. It's not very funny. Oh. Um, the reason why I liked it is, or I was interested in it, was because it was like, I thought it was going to be a spoof of like a ghost hunting show. Okay. And, like grave encounters, kind of. Yeah. Thank you. Someone, someone understands me. I do. Of course so, I do. do you remember Ghost Hunters? It was like kind of. I think it might have been the first one. Oh, that was, it was like a on thing for a while on Siffy, it was on, right? Yeah, it was on Sci-Fi. Mm-hmm. I call it Siffy, but yeah, Siffy. Yeah, it was on Sci-Fi. They they're also from Rhode Island, so like, so you knew I, them because there's only 25 people in Rhode Island. Exactly. So I was actually engaged to one now. Um, so they're in it. Like two of the dudes are in it. So it opened like doing a spoof of their own show. And I was like, this is going to be the best Clever, movie I've ever seen yeah. in my fucking life. And it wasn't good. I didn't no. like it. I know. Sad, right? It's okay. Yeah, I, I was excited to- for you for a minute there. Thank you. It's, it was on paper, it was everything I've ever wanted mm-hmm. in a movie. And then it wasn't. 
Um, so we went to the theater and we saw that Fantastic Beasts movie. Uh, any thoughts? I didn't think you were much of a Harry Potter person. Um, I'm not like, I never read the books. I've seen all the movies. I've seen a couple of them in the theater. I'm not like, I'm not part of that fandom. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, I don't know. I like movies about cool stuff. There's cute, cute things in this movie. Um, if they make another one, which I think they're going to, um, I'll go see it. But like, eh, it's all right. Okay. Interesting. Um, What's that dude's name? Eddie Redmayne. I don't like him. <gasps> okay, here's why I really like him. I, is I, don't be- think he's, I think he's supposed to be dislikable in this movie. Or, like, quirky in an unapproachable way. Okay. But I've never seen him in something that I liked him in. <laughs> here's the thing. Les Miserables, the film version of it, he plays Marius, which... Mm-hmm. Musical theater fans out there might know where I'm going. Marius in Les Miserables is like the worst character because he just he has the worst songs. He's just like a mopey, like I'm in love. People are dying around him, and he's like I'm in love. And I hate the character, and I've always hated. He's a, he has like literally the eleventh hour song at eleven p.m. is when he sings this like slow number at this time when you, like you just want the show to be over because you're tired. And for the first time ever, when I watched that movie. And he, and he got to that song after two and a half hours. I was bawling because that was the best version of that song I have ever heard. He, he was the first time I have ever felt for and something for that character. So after that, I'm like, this guy's going to be a star. And clearly I'm psychic and a scout of young talent. You knew it. Because, I mean. You knew it. He did go on to win an Oscar and stuff. Um yeah, so I've always liked him from that, but I don't know what else I've seen him in. But I don't know. I think maybe he, maybe he's amazing, and he just sometimes plays unlikable characters. Possible because he was in Jupiter Ascending as well, and yes. I didn't like him in that. I still haven't seen that. So maybe it's just because he's so good at playing people that you're not supposed to enjoy. And I'm not going to tell you to watch Les Mis and draw your own conclusions because I know you'd hate it. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. By you the way, our next movie that we're going to be covering on the podcast is Les Miserables. No. <laughs> you, know who's in Les, you know who's in Les Mis, I think. Amanda Seyfried, right? She is. You know what other movie she was in? Red Riding Hood? Pan. She was in Pan. Oh. You watched <laughs> Pan? Was, it was so fucking bad. Oh, man. This oh, one broke my heart because it's Joe Wright who no, did um, spent- Atonement. I know, and Hannah, I spent, like, a hundred years screaming about this movie after, and about how I love Joe Wright, and I miss him, and I wish he'd come back and do something good. Yeah. It was, it was just, I don't know who this movie was for. Yeah. But it wasn't for me, and I don't think it was for anyone else. Well, I remember reading Um, when they cast Rooney Mara as as, uh, Tiger Princess Tiger Lily, it was like, ooh, that seems like a really bad idea for cultural reasons and a really bad sign for a movie. And then everything it, about it, it was sad. It's like awesome. It was not... The story was... And the the performances were whatever. And there were sometimes songs. Um, <sighs> so sometimes there were songs, but they were like Nirvana. Oh, dear. And, and the Ramones. But like, I was... For the, for, when they did the Nirvana song, they did Smells Like Teen Spirit, like, but they just sang it like out of context. <laughs> um, and I was like, okay, I see what you're doing, and I don't know if I, I hate it. And then they did it with the Ramones, and I was like, 
kind of into what you guys are doing, and then they never did it again oh, in, the, no. in the rest of two-and-a-half-hour movie. Yeah, that seemed like a movie that uh, went through a lot of, wait, we are going to show this to test audiences? Wait, maybe we should make a change. Wait, we can't add anything. It's almost three hours, and it's a children's movie. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe kids would like it, Like, but there was not anything for me to connect to. Boy, yeah. Um, that was a pretty good segue, though. Um, <laughs> not, well done, have, well done I have us. A bad, I have a bad segue. I watched Gem, the Gem movie. Gem and the Hall, oh boy, Gem and the Holograms. Another, another movie directed by a man I really like. It's the guy who did Step Up Two and Three. Guess what movie I kind of liked? Did you like Gem? I didn't. Okay, so I really like Gem, like the the property of okay. Gem. <laughs> And I like and I like the Misfits and I, I I'm current with the with the comic like it's been out for a while I'm current with it I've read every issue like I loved the cartoon I had the toys I'm in it um, didn't you hate how Jim's clothes were too big for Barbie and Barbie's clothes were too um, small for Jim? No, nah, I was okay with it. Okay, bothered me. I mean, I understood why there are different sizes. I know, but it just was very made made playtime awkward. Oh, all right. Fair enough. Um, there was enough nostalgia in it for me to find something. Plus, I mean, they're right. They're, like, one of the songs was a Hilary Duff song. <laughs> like, why Why not just do good, better music that people in the movie can play? <laughs> but, like, the Hilary Duff song got stuck in my head for, like, five days. <laughs> um, and it ends. Can I spoil it for you? Of course. They're not making it. I know. I believe it was supposed to be like ending like on a note of like, okay, the sequel's going to do this. And then they're not. Yes. It ends with the misfits. Aww. And I almost started crying. And you know who played pizzazz? Kesha. I, I almost lost my mind. Oh, honey. I'm sorry. I know. I'm so sad. But yeah, that movie. I, I we, we activated an HBO free trial. So we just we got to watch, watch a bunch. Of, I love it. We got to watch some stuff that we wouldn't have seen. Um, almost done. Went to the theater again to see Eagle Huntress, a documentary about the. I think she's Mongolian um, okay. girl who hunts with a golden eagle. It's really great. Cool. She's like the first um, female to ever do that. Sounds badass. It's a good documentary. If it ends up on Netflix, you should watch it. Okay, cool. I'll keep my eye out. Um, my I eagle eye out. Eagle. I watched a terrible movie that you may have seen. Uh huh. <laughs> it's called a Christmas horror story, but I think at one point it was called like Santa versus Krampus. Okay, no, I can't. Yeah, honestly, I somewhat gave up on seeking out Christmas horror movies a few years ago oh. after I went on a tear and realized that. Christmas horror had become to the low-level independent horror filmmaking community what zombie movies were a few years ago. Yeah. Where, oh, you know, I'm going to make a really shitty shitty horror movie, but if I put Christmas in the title and set it around Christmas, I'll sell it. Like, somebody, they'll put it on Netflix. And so I watched, like, five of these in a row that were just some of the worst movies I'd ever seen. And after that, I kind of stayed away from anything that looked low budget ish and had mm-hmm. Christmas attached to it. Well, you're you're a wise person. Indeed I am. This was bad. I think it was something something else that we put on, like not as 
like we were a hundred percent serious, mm-hmm. but we started paying attention enough that we ended up like finishing it. Okay, it was it was not very good. It was it's kind of like an anthology in a way, which is interesting. It has a clear connective story that mm-hmm. weaves in and out of like these three other stories that are running at the same time. Okay. So narratively, I guess it's interesting, but yeah, you're exactly right. It's just an opportunity for Santa Claus to use expletives and like beat up zombie um, elves. Yeah, which sounds way more fun than it probably is. Yeah, it was not fun. Yeah, I bet. Um, and the last one I will talk about is we went to the theater again to see Office Christmas Party. Okay. It wasn't funny. That's kind of what I've heard. <laughs> Courtney B. Vance is in it, though, and Emily, come on. He's the best guy he's, ever. He's so. a good-looking man. With and he's so He's so funny, and he's really good in this, but it's kind of... I don't know. I feel like... I'm, I'm, like, worried for Jennifer Aniston. Oh. I think she sold her soul. I, you know, I feel like she went... She was kind of trying for the prestige independent Oscar career for a while. Like she did that movie cake yeah. and there was um, yep. the good girl. Like she had like a run of kind of balancing her career. Like I think she is somebody who has, um, whether it's her people or her has done a really good job of uh, branding, I guess. Like you think of how many different uh, companies she's like a spokesperson for and how she, I think she is like known as being the female celebrity who has been on the most magazine covers mm-hmm. like she has a particular brand a particular fan base she's very talented and very underrated in many ways because she is can be really funny uh and it seemed like she was sort of doing a lot of comedies of varying sorts and then also kind of sprinkling in these independent dramas where like it it kind of felt like maybe she was going for the oscar thing or what uh and then the last yeah she hasn't had a good run in a while it seems and it could just be that she's just not getting the right scripts or what but um i wish her well you know her father was victor kiriakis on days of her lives so so jennifer aniston office christmas party not good no it's not her fault though i can't blame it on her okay <laughs> oh and i also watched all of westworld ah i have not yet and i'm like hitting myself for it because i was the one telling people to watch it because i'm like oh westworld i've always said this should be a tv series because it's such a great idea but it had bad execution because it was directed by michael Crichton and blah 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 mm-hmm. and then i haven't watched an episode yet so where mm-hmm. what did you think i don't I I watched three episodes and I was strong dislike. Okay. I kind of like I didn't like it, and then I don't think I like it still. But I liked things about it. <laughs> Let me just be. Clear. I don't know. It's um. It's a Nolan brother. Like it's Christopher oh, Nolan's right, brother. Right. And he. I feel like there's some aspects of him doing what I like to call Christopher Nolan shit. Um, Fair. And but there are some cool things about it and. Tandy Newton is so good in it. I want to light a building on fire. She's so good. (laughs) Preferably not the one that she's in. No, not not the one she's in. So there's some really standout performances, and there's some some pretty cool characters. Mm -hmm. But, like, overall, I wasn't 100% behind it story-wise. But, like, I don't know. There was enough to keep me through 10 episodes, so... 
Okay. I, I, I keep meaning to give it a go and I just haven't found the opportunity because it's I hate that the episodes are probably like 50 minutes long, which means I can't quite watch them before I go to work. Yeah. And that's just a pain because I can't stream them on the phone. So Yeah, um, they are they are long. And the finale is like an hour and a half, too. Oh, so, I mean, you are dedicating like 10 yeah. plus hours to it. Yeah, I'll see how that works out. But I'm curious and I'm intrigued by your uh, mixed take on it. There, Yeah, there's some super, super cool characters, some um, really good actors like they they hired amazing talent it's a great cast it's, it's just for me the story wasn't something that i gave a shit about okay it either was too obvious or it it kind of moved glacially mm-hmm. but like i'm fine with that it's just get something done okay gotcha. i don't know um tell me about all the christmas movies you've been watching oh boy i don't even have that list because that's <laughs> that in itself is a monster um yeah, so you've the seven. I've, how many did I release so far? Seven or eight? And then there's more to come. Um, there's a figure skating one called Falling for Christmas that I actually kind of liked. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's about a figure skater, and that made me really happy. Uh, there's um, a Sliding Doors-esque story with Haley Duff called All About <gasps> Christmas Eve. Whoa, is that one streaming? Uh, it... I don't know. I recorded uh-huh. it off of Lifetime, but it may be streaming. I gotta look for it. Love that Haley Duff. Oh man, do can you, you believe? Does, wait, do, do people really love her? No, but can you believe that we talked about both Duff sisters already, and we're barely into this episode? Like, I f- I feel when I watch Haley Duff, and because she does a lot of Lifetime movies, not just Christmas movies. I've seen her show up really? a lot, and like. <sighs> I feel on one hand, I'm like, you know, it's I, I like when the lead um, isn't necessarily, like, model pretty. Mm-hmm. And Haley Duff's, like, very attractive, but it's so clear that she would never be cast in these movies if her sister wasn't more famous and more attractive. Yeah. Like, she just doesn't look right. Like, when you look at, like... I don't know, like a Lacey Chabert in these movies or like a Jill Wagner. Like, they're all, like, really... They have, like, a light to them that, like, the camera just loves them. The camera does not love Haley Duff. I'm sorry. <laughs> and the movie, oh, the movie, too, is really bad. Really? Um, yeah. It's, well, I mean, it's pure sliding doors. It's she misses a plane or she gets on the plane and we see her two realities. But it's very, uh, <sighs> yeah. Oh, you know, no. <laughs> yeah, it's one that I don't know why, like, I was expecting more from it. Like, I wanted it to go places. Um, here's what's fun, though. Um, Bianca Lawson plays the sassy sidekick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are two, um, uh, what's the word, I guess, transgendered prostitutes in the movie who are also sassy sidekicks. Okay. And Patrick Muldoon's in it, which all of these oh, things are fine. making it sound so much better than it was, but it wasn't that good. Um, yeah. I watched one that I don't know if I'm going to record an episode on because I didn't record, I tend to like have to record like within like a day or two of watching it because otherwise, mm-hmm. even though I take notes, I forget things because these are so bland. They're so similar too. Exactly. So it's really I mean, hard how do remember. you keep track of it? Yeah, I'm like, wait, was Patrick Muldoon the love interest or was he the creature? the older guy who was hitting on her and nobody said anything that was wrong about that uh, but i did watch one called it's christmas comma carol with um carrie fisher which is why i recorded it and it is a christmas carol story but with carrie fisher as like all the ghosts okay. and it also really wasn't very oh. uh then the rest you'll just hear or i'll put them out and you'll know whether i approve of them or not but it's it's tough because they all just go 
you, you, you watch them and they, I don't know if they're taking up real estate in my brain because they do go away quickly, but I don't know if they've taken up like all the Jeopardy trivia that I've been storing my whole life waiting for the right time. They may be taking that spot. One day you might wake up and not know how to tie your shoe anymore. Oh, shit. Because well, it'll, it'll just all be like different people saving towns. Right. I go to tie my shoes and I'm like, Candace Cameron Bure, what? Wait, <laughs> does the rabbit hole go under Alicia Witt or... Yeah, it could be very confusing. Oh, mm-hmm. wait. oh God, what a terrible way to live. Um, so, okay, so those movies aside, the other things I've been watching, because um, I'm like I'm classy sometimes, Christine. I know you are. Sometimes I've I'm always like, said that. Yeah, like oh TCM, the only channel I record movies from, other than Hallmark and Lifetime, uh, because there's no commercials and they show some cool things sometimes. Oh, there's an end of the world movie with Harry Belafonte. This sounds good. Uh, the world, the flesh, and the devil from 1950 something. I want my biography to be titled that. <laughs> right? It, okay, yeah, that title sounds way sexier than the movie is. <laughs> uh, so it is. Um, there has been some kind of bombing of such. So that Harry Belafonte was, like, trapped in, like, a underground somewhere. So he comes up and he's like, oh, I'm all alone. Oh, no, there's a woman. There's a white woman. And it's like, then they're like, oh, I guess it's just us. And then, like, another half hour, um, uh, not Miguel Ferrar, but his uncle or father shows up. It's like, oh, Mm -hmm. I'm a white dude. I'm here, too. So it's uh, about just three people left after the apocalypse. And uh, it's... Is it amazing? It sounds no, amazing. it's not, because oh. it's kind of boring. Uh, it's interesting in it being... Like, I kind of wish it was made, like, 10 years later, I guess, or 20 years later, because they do deal with racial stuff. Harry Belafonte is yeah, black. That's, and... That's... It, it, but isn't it, that doesn't make it the best movie ever made? It makes it a great concept, Uh, because you have this woman who's like crying about how she'll never get married and like it's like dude make babies with Harry Harry Belafonte like imagine me singing to your babies Um, and like just as she's kind of letting down her racism this other guy shows up who is just racist and so there's like interesting and it's also interesting to look at it from the point of view of oh this is how you approached a movie like this in the 1950s Mm -hmm. like you know you it would have been very different 10 years later, 20 years later. But in the 1950s, here is this topic that we know exists and we are going to explore it, but we're still going to be pretty hands off about it. Yeah. And even like, I, you know, I don't even remember if like they ever show them really touching or kissing. Like they may not have because audiences might not have been able to handle that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, so it's, I mean, I watched it because it was an end of the world film and that's what I gravitate towards uh on that end it wasn't that interesting but i think if you are curious about this topic handled at that that era it's you know it's there it's not very long but it is slow it kind of dragged for me uh what's funny is i start the movie and brandon walks in he's like oh so do you think harry bella how are they going to find a way for harry belafonte to sing in this movie as soon as he said that three minutes into the movie harry belafonte is singing so if that's what you want. Was he just fun. randomly singing? Yeah, like, well, he's like trapped underground. So he's like trying to kill time, which I mean, I would sing too. Only I sure. wouldn't sound like Harry Belafonte. Uh, all right. So moving on, NBC aired a movie. Uh, this was a sequel, I think, of many to come. So if y'all remember last year, 
There was a little movie called Dolly Parton's Coat of Many Colors. Uh, this year... It's like you're speaking a different language right now. <laughs> okay, so Dolly Parton uh, apparently is working with NBC, and they are making Christmas movies about her childhood. Okay. So they made one last year, and uh, it was it was adorable. And they made one this year, and it was also adorable. It's the same cast, so it's all the same... I mean, Dolly Parton ha- has a fascinating life and had a fascinating childhood. She was one of eight children growing up dirt poor in Tennessee. Um, you know, her, her parents or her mother was very Christian. And so this is uh, another Christmas movie with her family. And Dolly Parton is also in the movie. She plays the town hooker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and this is just another Christmas with the pardons and all the stuff that happened. It's here's the thing. Like you, you got to kind of get past some of the Jesus stuff. Cause there's a lot of Jesus stuff. Cause is there, yes, there is like yeah. a lot, like even more so than there was last year. Um, but you, you put that aside and it's pretty, the kids are really cute. The little girl who's playing young Dolly is adorable. Um, it's like a really sweet, uh, you know, country Christmas movie. So, uh, if they do one next year, I will talk about it one year from now. Aww. Yeah. All right. So what else did I watch on Netflix instant? I finally got around to Pee Wee's big holiday. Oh, I haven't watched it. Still. It's delightful. Yeah, it is so fun. Um, I watched it mostly at the gym and it was a really like good movie to watch at the gym. Cause it just like, I'm smiling as I watch it. And I think that's like the kind of movie it made me think. I'm like, you know, if I, if I have a bad day, this is the kind of movie I want to watch. It's really funny. It's really kooky and very colorful. There's a lot of really fun cameos and mm-hmm. actors who drop by, and they're all fabulous. Um, Joe Mangello is fantastic and adorable. Oh, I love and him. The I won't even call it a bromance. The implied romance between him and Pee Wee is just beautiful. Um, so, I mean, if you're a Pee Wee fan, it is exactly what you want. So, I well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll watch it sooner rather than later. You then you should. Uh, I had, I've been really bad with my Netflix discs lately. Uh, so one of the movies that I had sitting here for like a month after it was a very long wait. So I had it at the top of my queue for a long time. Movie I've waited for years to watch, uh, Jim Cotta. Mm-hmm. It's, I've, I've never seen it. Uh, it. It's exactly made for me. I mean, it is an action, an 80s action movie in which a male gymnast becomes a, uh, what, spy slash assassin. And he does gymnastics. It's cheesy as hell. I didn't quite have the time to enjoy it just because it was one of those. I'm sitting on this disc for so long. Let me just watch this movie. Yeah. I would have liked to really have made a night of it. But it's, it is joyous. So that. Uh, I watched a documentary on Netflix. What was it about? It is about David Prowse, Darth Vader. Oh, oh yeah. I've seen him pop up. Father. Um, as documentaries go, this was not the best. I didn't think this was the best documentary. Uh, it just kind of, it feels like, I think somebody else said this, but I do agree. Like it kind of feels like it's working hard to be a full length movie. Yeah. And I don't think it had to be. I think this would have been fine as an hour long movie. Um, I mean, David Prowse is delightful. He has a lot of great things to say, interesting stories. The, where the movie, I think, kind of, it's trying to build this, um, like, end goal of this guy who's the film, the filmmaker who's making this documentary 
kind of suffers from that. I'm a fan and I want to put my story in this movie because I think it's important for you to know why I'm making this movie. I That's literally my least favorite thing. Yeah, and you don't need that. Like, dude, you're making a movie about the guy who played Darth Vader. Any Star Wars fan wants to see that. We, we understand why you want to see that. You don't need to add in this stuff about you being a kid and yeah. how you want to film David Prowse doing the scene that he didn't get to do. Uh, like, okay, that's that's fine, except we, you can't legally show that scene, so I don't really need all this build-up to it. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's not, I don't think it's a great documentary, but if you're a Star Wars fan, it is certainly worth watching just for his story. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Lifetime, I recorded a little movie called Boy in the Attic, a.k.a. Secrets in the Attic. Secrets. Secrets in the Attic. So this is about a young woman who moves into her grandmother's, her dead grandmother's house with her mother. Um, and Sounds spooky. Well, it turns out that, so she meets this boy, and he's really cute and stuff. And the girl, it's the actress who played um, Jenny Garth in the Saved by the Bell, not Saved by the Bell, um, the 90210 Lifetime movie. Okay. And my God, because I remember watching that and being like, wow, this girl's great. Like, she looks like Jenny Garth and she's nailing the voice. And then I turn this movie on and Brandon walks by. He's like, is that Jenny Garth's daughter? I'm like, no, this actress is just going to make a living off of being Jenny Garth. Oh, wow. Because it's distracting how much she, kind of like Lily Sobieski when she first came on the scene, everybody's like, And you were like, is that Helen Hunt? Exactly. That's this girl. Um, But so it turns out this boy that she's been seeing is actually living in her attic. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, It's not great. It's a typical... with a plot like that, how is it not uh, surprising? But yeah, not not overly anything. Uh, I watched on Netflix Instant uh, a newer horror movie called Carnage Park with um, Ashley Bell from Last Exorcist. Okay, yeah, I know. Who exactly. I love who I think is a severely underrated actress who I'm fine with her doing horror movies because she does a great job in them, but I think mm-hmm. she could, should also be doing, like, prestige dramas because I think this young woman could win an Oscar because I think she's a great, mm-hmm. great. Um, and what's his name? Pat Healy is in it. Okay. Uh, and this is set in the 70s. It is about a bank robber who kidnaps Ashley Bell and they drive into the desert of California where Pat Healy happens to be a sort of crazed hermit-esque sniper that shoots people that come into his area. Uh, this, this had problems, but it was pretty good. Mm -hmm. It was different. I think at times it tried a little too hard to be different. I think, um, it was stylish and I think at times it was a little more stylish than it had to be, Mm -hmm. but I appreciate a young filmmaker trying different things and trying to make a fairly simple story into something visually a little more exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and like some story, like yeah, I had some story problems of really trying to understand why characters were doing certain things. Uh, but it, so it's not perfect. It's not great, but I think it's one of those, I want to see more from this director. And it did have me like, it was intense. And again, I watched this one also at the gym and I was like, working harder because I was kind of into it and you know yeah that's always a good sign even if it's not something you're completely on board with to say like well yes I would like to see what you do yep and I say that a lot about horror movies by younger directors where okay it's taking you time to figure out exactly what you want to say and how you want to say it but you have something Mm -hmm. an interesting way of doing it so I want to see more from you um okay oh I watched a movie that 
I I wish I had known of before. This would have been a great um, pair up with beaches, oddly enough. Have you ever heard of 1970-somethings, I think 78s or 74s, Girlfriends? No, I don't believe so. All right. This is a drama, comedy, whatever. It's just a movie about this young woman who's uh, in her 20s living in New York, and she's a photographer, and she lives with her best friend who is kind of trying to be a writer. Mm -hmm. And, like, her best friend moves out and gets married to Bob Balaban. Okay. Uh, So, meanwhile, it's more about, okay, so the friend who's kind of left behind and... Uh, she's just kind of navigating life and she's trying to get like photography shows and trying to and dating and that's not working out she dates Christopher Guest at one point a very young Christopher Guest and it's also about like their friendship and how you know this one now has a kid and they never see each other it has an abortion storyline and it's handled like shockingly well and respectful and in a way that I never expected to see in a movie made in 1974. Weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, this was, it's a female director, Claudia Wells, I think, who uh, I did not make many other films. She's worked in TV a lot. Um, but this was just one of those, I don't know, when you think of like, I'm trying to think of what to compare it to. Like, I don't normally go for a lot of those sort of talky um like slice of life kind of seventies movies. This yeah. one always interests me. This one, maybe because it was so clearly made by women, it was a female screenwriter also. And even like the lead is not um, conventionally attracted. I recorded it. The reason I recorded it off a of TCM was that the description uh, said a chubby photographer navigates the city after her friend moves out. And I'm like, Okay, this I'm what? really curious what this means. Uh, and like, quote unquote, chubby, like what, the girl's a size eight? I don't know. Uh, and the movie doesn't, it, like... Does, she, it even, does that even part of the plot? Not though? at all. Like, she's <laughs> never treated, like, she's just so kind of treated strange. as a normal woman. Like, at one point she goes to get her hair cut and the hairstylist is like, I don't, this, this won't look good with your shape or like the shape of your face. But it's never like, that's really not a part of the movie. And I feel like it would be today if you made that movie. Uh, But it's really just about this woman, about female friendship, about sort of being young and on your own in the city. And it just, I loved it. Um, It's, and I'm like, I have a feeling a lot of our listeners are probably like, oh yeah, that movie. Like, and who knows, maybe somebody recommended to us in the past. Yeah, I don't know. And you got it off TCM? TCM, yeah, just randomly so I, flipping through. I wonder if I'll have a hard time finding it. I don't know. Um, it it's, could be like a library movie. Yeah, you know, that's it may a good be point. streaming, I don't know. But see, look, see if you can find it easily. Uh, mm-hmm. I would even cover it at some point in the future. Because I just oh, think it was a really... Um, I don't, like, it's one of those I almost don't want to overpraise it because it's really a very like simple tale of like a year in the life of this woman which again for me is normally not what i want to watch but i just really felt like yeah like this is how i talk or this is how my friends would talk and this is kind of getting at something that i've gone through or that i know my friends have gone through and it's really nice when you see that in a movie Mm -hmm. and you feel like that connection to you know, it's how we always complain about um, when male filmmakers film 
female, like a woman lounging at home or a woman in her bra at home. No woman wears her bra in her house, right? Yeah. Like, no. And it's one of those things, like, female directors get because they live that. And as much as, you know, you don't have to be something in order to make a movie about it, it's little things like that that make you sometimes sell a movie to you better and make you see, like, oh, this is a point of view that is closer to mine. That's For really sure. It feels more lived in mm-hmm. because it's got, like, actual knowledge tied to it. Yeah. Yeah. It comes from an experience of more, I guess, um, real experience when you see it. Mm-hmm. So that's why, like, I just fell in love with this movie. I don't know. Uh, and even, like, just, I don't know, like, there's, a re- like, relationship things in the movie where characters are fighting with their significant others and they're really real conversations that you've probably had with boyfriends at some point in life Mm -hmm. like going to see friends and one of you doesn't you realize oh but my husband boyfriend um doesn't actually enjoy spending time with these with them so uh like but just the way it comes out like it really like reminded me of like past relationships and stuff i I don't know Mm -hmm. it's it's interesting and i would be really curious if you watch it if you feel like that closeness to it too i guess Mm -hmm. okay um and then i watch because i'm me um hairspray live on nbc yeah i had a feeling you were gonna of course i was gonna uh i really liked this one so I've had mixed – basically the first – when NBC has been doing this, this, is the fourth one they've done. They did Sound of Music, which was bad, Peter Pan, which was terrible, The Wiz, which was fantastic, except they didn't understand that um, doing a live musical without an audience is really weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then what happened was last year, Fox did Grease Live, and they learned from that and said – okay, we're going to have an audience and we're going to have a soundstage and we're going to move the camera around. So basically what Hairspray Live did was like, okay, remember what Fox did? Let's do a bunch of that stuff. <laughs> well, that's good. I didn't realize that it, this one had like an audience. It, like at times they did. They had yeah. an audience like when they would do the actual stuff like in the st- on the stage, like when they were doing the Corny Collins show stuff, yeah. they'd have an audience there and it like – came to life when they did that. So they, But they didn't have an audience for a lot of the other stuff, but what they did that Fox did was they did the, like, oh, instead of just a stage, we're going to have this sprawling, uh, you know, mini Sesame Street-like setup where you're going to go from here to there and the camera's just going to follow you. Mm-hmm. That didn't... I don't think that was necessary for the show because they're... Technically, they couldn't really handle it. There was a lot of technical issues in the beginning of the show. Yeah. Uh, and it just didn't necessarily need that um and i mean the show had its problems some casting wasn't great but i love hairspray it is such a the music is great first of all hairspray has some of the best most like upbeat tap your foot to it music Mm -hmm. of any musical in the last like 30 years but the other thing too is it is such a good message it is all about being, you know, proud of who you are, whether you're fat, whether you're a minority, like all of this stuff. And it's like, it really is a, like, without being cliched about it, like, it's the most feel good musical I know of where it's genuine and you do feel mm-hmm. good with it. Um, and I mean, I got that feeling from it. And some of the performers are great. Hearing Jennifer Hudson sing, like, is really exciting. Um, 
yeah, some of the cast was great. It overall, uh, I think I would probably rank it below the Wiz. Uh, yeah. For anybody out there, count, like measuring, uh, it's my number two. Um, well, I watched some of the Wiz, so I, I kind of know what okay. you're getting at. Yeah, I mean, you might even like this one more, just because the music's a little more. Yeah, uh, I like that movie. I've, yeah, that, that hairspray movie. I've seen it. Okay, good. A couple yeah. times. I, I was interested. I don't think we were home, or else I think we would have put it on. Because mm-hmm. I watched, like I told you, I think I wa- I think I told you I watched you the beginning of Rocky. Yeah. Rocky Horror, yeah. So I mean, there's there's interest there from me, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, I don't think we were we were home. And sadly, now I think that means I'll never watch it. If I didn't watch it, then yeah, I don't know if they. Were, I'm, I'm guessing they like they probably re-air it somewhere, but it's also and we didn't watch it live. We recorded it and then yeah. watched it and fast forwarded. But it still is a weird thing to watch anything filmed live later like we're, we've been watching 30 rock and i'm waiting to get to the, to the live episode on oh Netflix. my god i just watched one tonight oh neat well, weird yeah <laughs> yeah i love i love those live episodes they're weird I, that's i remember not really liking it when it was when it aired because i just felt i'm like 30 rock is not designed for this for a live humor like 30 rock is so quick yeah and so much of the jokes are these sort of cut cutbacks and all that and they did find a way to do it, if memory serves, but still, yep. like, it just didn't feel like it fully worked. But I don't know. I may feel differently now that it's been a few years and I've only watched it once. So. Well, you let me know. I watch them constantly. Okay. Also, you're completely right. If they tried to do it, like, with every show, that show would have sucked mm-hmm. or just been a failure. But it's funny and, like, gimmicky enough when they did do it. Right, right. That like I'm totally sold on it. Okay, I'll tell you when I get there. We're in like tell me the when end of season count. four now. I think that's in season five. Yeah, I believe it is. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing was um, if this counts. So last night we it was a Tuesday night. Christine make peace, mm-hmm. and my husband and I went out to a movie theater. <gasps> yeah, this was because it was a. <laughs> I was so shocked. This was a fathom event. Okay, what Fathom was it? events are when they do those, like, one night of, usually mm-hmm. it's when they film, like, a Broadway show or an opera, and then you get to see it, like, in a movie theater. So this was for the Broadway musical that has cl- that closed back in February, I think, uh, Allegiance. Okay. Now, this I, was George no Takei. No it Yeah, it, only, it ran on Broadway briefly, because it really, which I understand why. It, it is a Broadway musical about um, the Japanese internment camps. Hmm. So shockingly, didn't find a huge audience. Uh, it is based in part on George Takei's experience being a kid in these camps, mm-hmm. and he is also in it. And he is such a delight. My God, what a what a burst of sunshine put into a man. Um, and for Broadway fans, Leia Salonga, who was the original Miss Saigon, who is also um, Emily from Pretty Little Liars' cousin or aunt. Uh, she is in it, and she is Broadway royalty. So it is, you are going to a movie theater and watching a Broadway show that's been filmed for that experience, uh, which I, I like doing those, and I forget to do them, and I feel like I should do them more, because it is a great way to see Broadway shows if you don't want to spend $100. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, I don't know if this will eventually come to, like, since they filmed it, I'm sure it will be put on PBS or maybe Netflix or something. If you are a Broadway musical fan or if you have any curiosity about um, 
this part of history that nobody ever learns about uh, and this part of history that's really relevant today somehow. Oh, gee, how'd that happen? Um, thanks, America. It's, uh, it's, it's, the show has, its, has some problems, but it is a really beautiful show. Um, the, <clears throat> the performance that they filmed is really touching. The actors are great. Um, it will make you cry. It will make you remember some or learn about something that you did not know happened. Because I remember being like in college when I learned that I think we had Japanese internment camps because they don't teach that often. Yeah, no, nobody likes I to talk that, about the time yeah, that we sent all Japanese people on the West Coast. Oh yeah, we're gonna take all of your stuff away from you and put you in a camp in Arkansas. Yeah, yeah, I don't think they're proud of that. No, not particularly. And it's very, it's irrelevant in terms of just social issues but it's also as a fam as just a drama about a family um it's really really touching and um and and real feeling it, it's there are some plot machinations that feel a little forced but the actual family dynamics are done really well so if it ever comes your way uh folks not necessarily you christine i don't know how much you'd like it because it's a musical uh but, thank thank you for acknowledging and there's that. no talking dogs so uh, that's everything I've been watching. Uh, so very impressive list. You know, I try to keep things keep things uh, fresh, keep things uh, diverse, if you will. Now, I think I get the feeling we're going to have more to say about one talking animal movie than the other. Mm-hmm. Do you want to start with the one that y- that you I know felt strongly about in a positive way, or the other one? You're talking in code. I don't know which one's which now. Oh, come on. You love Santa Paws. You didn't love Santa Claus. Am I right? Yes. I figured. So do you want to start with the <laughs> one that you loved or the one you didn't love? Well, let's do the one I didn't love. All right. So we're going to take a break and come back and talk about the Asylum Studios Santa Claus. <laughs> you ask what is love? Well, I have a love, yes, I have a love for cats. I love cats and that's why I'm the guy who looks up at the sky and says, I love cats. When I think of a cat, there's a feeling inside. It's a hunger annoying that I just can't hide. Oh, I've tried. Yes, I've tried, but I want the world to know, yes, I want the world to know. You might say it's disgusting, this way that I'm lusting, but my friend, you don't know till you've tried. You'll be making a beeline for anything feline, whether boiled or sautéed or fried. From their ears to their feet, it's the other white meat, black and white or Maine Coon with a knife or a spoon. Santa Claus, which uh, the Asylum, as we know, is the film studio that makes um, uh, companion films, if you will, to right. better known films. They, they call them mockbusters. Right? You take a title and you twist it a little bit so that somebody in a video store might rent the wrong movie. Mm-hmm. 
and in this case, I'm, I am guessing this was a take on Santa Paws, uh, except it's with cats and it's called Santa Claus. And Christine, I would like you to tell the world about the plot of Santa Claus. Oh, boy. Um... <laughs> <laughs> and I'd like, first of all, I want to remind everybody, Christine picked both movies. I picked both movies. Uh-huh. Um, Santa Claus is about a very uptight mother <laughs> who won't let her son celebrate Christmas in any capacity. Yep. They have three kittens uh-huh. and a grown cat who is who they claim is the mother, but I don't think is because it's, a, it's an orange tabby cat, and all the kittens are little um, like gray tigers. Well, here's Doesn't the problem right there: sense. orange tabby cats are male. I don't think you can actually oh, ha- ever have you, an orange female cat. You know what? That's a really good point. I've never had an orange female yeah, cat. I don't think it's just a weird like thing where that, you, that, it's, that just doesn't not, happen. Yeah. Okay, so maybe that wasn't even a lady cat. Maybe that was a boy cat. Who cares? I don't care. I'm not going to judge their family. I'm just saying I feel like they misrepresented it. But anyways, so you get a flash. It starts, I think, in the past, but you can't really tell that because it doesn't look like it. No, the only way you can tell is that there's a a record, like an LP record. There's a record. Yeah. So you basically... Santa's allergic to cats. And in this flashback, he sneezes at a cat and then breaks the record and then the lady who come to find out is the older lady that the movie's about kind of broke her record and for some reason i guess because of trauma she decided that santa didn't exist anymore like she denounced him well that's and what now i that- think for a long time well but what? then there's a reveal i think i don't know is there yeah because at one point so there's a neighbor character uh, who is the guy same perpetrating as a nerd? Oh God, yeah, because he wears glasses. So you know he's a nerd. I'm a nerd, yeah. and like he wears glasses as a teenager, so naturally he wears the exact same glasses as a forty-year-old. Also, I, they still live next door to each other. Yeah. Oh God, there are so many, so many issues with this movie. Yeah. So these two, like when they're in the nineteen late nineteen seventies, they are neighbors and teenagers, and they're the same age. And then 30 years later, they're still living in the same houses uh, next to each other. And again, he looks, he's wearing the same glasses he wore. That's how you know it's him. Exactly. Uh, But now, whereas she has like denounced Christmas, he's like all about Christmas and decorating like crazy. But he also does like a Santa tracker thing. And you find out he's actually obsessed with Santa because he's trying to prove that Santa is real because this is like dropped in a line somewhere towards the end of the movie. You find out the reason uptight mom boycotted Christmas and Santa Claus was because apparently her and him talked about it at school, said, oh, oh yeah, we saw Santa Claus and everybody made fun and of him. And everybody made fun of him. Yeah. And so for her, that was that it. Like, she's like, never, I'm never celebrating Christmas again. the asylum store i mean again i i think of the asylum movies as like roger the roger corman movies of his day these are okay we have a week we need to put out a christmas movie what do we got and i think you'd like have a bunch of like millennials sitting around a table being like uh cats uh people like cats on instagram yeah okay let's do a cat movie all right uh what do we need we got 90 minutes how are we gonna fill 90 minutes 
<sighs> they try to fill 90 minutes, Christine. They do, I think. This was um, the longest 90 minutes I've sat through in a long time. Yeah, it was real tough. So basically where the cats come in is the cats make Santa sneeze in present day and in the flashback. Yep. So the cats, the three little troublemaker kittens end up knocking Santa out with their allergens, I guess. And Santa is out of commission. So the cats have to take the reindeer and the sleigh and finish delivering the presents. The kittens do. Yes. And they do the three this. tiny little kittens. Yeah. And so they like they have help. Like there's a video elf that tells them what to do, unless I'm getting this confused with the other movie. No, no, you're right. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Uh, but it's like the film cuts to just, hey, there's kittens in the living room. There's a tree. And the kittens are like walking around. And the narration is like, don't touch, don't step on that. Oh no, you're going to make that fall. And like it cuts yeah. away from them and you hear a crash. Like, it really was, um, did I ever tell you about Cats, the movie, Christine? I don't think so. Oh, good God. So a couple of years ago on my blog, I decided to do a whole month of animals doing human stuff movies, which meant I watched movies okay. like that Air, sounds familiar. Air Bud, Seventh Inning Fetch, and Ed, the monkey baseball movie, and so on. And one of the movies I watched was called Cats, the movie. And this was... Um, like only a step below this one it was a woman that i think was like a cinematographer who was like oh I, my cat's pretty cool like i can take my cat places and let him go and i can film him doing stuff so i'm gonna make a movie where my cat runs away for the day and has all these adventures and i'm gonna blackmail um movie stars like michelle rodriguez to do a voice in the movie and it's like 65 minutes long and it's the it's terrible and weird and just mm-hmm. it just feels like a crazy cat lady made a movie. Um, and even on, there's a director commentary, which of course I watch and it just ends at like 40 minutes for some reason. Oh man. Like they just all trailed out of the room. Yeah. Or and whatever. Like, yeah. This movie is a step up, but it's not a big step up, you know? Um, Cause it really does feel like at times they were just kittens are cute. Put kittens in a, by a Christmas tree. They're yeah, not but doing there's anything. not enough kittens in it. Yeah. And the kittens are assholes in this movie. I'm they sorry. really... And they're not that cute. And their mouths move weird. Oh, God, and their yeah. mouths move. And they're jerks, and their voices aren't very good. They're not very likable. No, it doesn't they're fucking kittens. It doesn't seem like a cat. Yeah. Like, if you're having a hard time making kittens likable, you are doing something wrong. Yeah. And what I hate, too, is... um. Uh, people think I'm a cat person. I'd like to say no. I'm actually an equal cat and dog person. I have cats now, but in my lifetime, I've had dogs. Uh, and what I've always hated, though, in movies is, like, the demonization or the villainization of cats. Right? Yeah. Think of the cats versus dog movies where the cats are always the villains. And it's yeah, just, they're jerks. Yeah, and it's just always very easy to make the cats into dicks because cats look snobby. And this movie doesn't do it any favors because the cats are just stupid assholes. They're jerks, yeah. Yeah. They're kittens. They're, I mean, as kittens go, like, they're okay. Like, I mean, they're not, you know, are they cute? Kind of. I've seen cuter kittens. Cuter kittens, exactly. They're, like, on the tier of, if you're doing, like, a ranking, they're in, like, the 10th percentile of cute kittens. Yeah, they're not. Yeah. They're not. They're not movie stars. Uh, I feel like one of them had an accent 
but I didn't write it down, so I don't really remember what that meant. God. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, very funny. Like, their name, like, oh, God, they don't, yeah, they're just not great. Uh, mm-hmm. The one, the one cat's like genuinely an asshole who keeps knocking things down. Fucking Santa Claus can't. Oh, he does. He has one job. He can't take Benadryl that day. Yeah. Also, like I don't know the statistics, but a lot of people have cats. How is yeah. he not falling over constantly? I believe more people in the country have cats now than dogs. Mm-hmm. So I mean, really, Santa? Like you, you got to know going into this what you're getting into. Um, uh, the, there's so much slapstick and it's never good. No, it's, this movie is never funny or charming ever. It's like kind of, I mean, again, this is very typical of Asylum. Like it's gross and ugly. Mm -hmm. Like the, the houses, which are sort of, um, like fine. Like it's the kind of house you see in these movies where, it's it's like a rent um not not a rental house what do you call it like a demo house it yeah, like yeah. the kitchen's like really nice but meanwhile um the uptight mom writes a blog called the budget and the single mom so she's always talking about saving money but i guess she lives in like her parents house that's really nice yeah it, that is weird it, it, you're right it's it's like a demo house that they could only afford some furniture for yeah. or something and even like the kid the kid's kind of cute like i actually like the kid i think you know he's he's a cute kid and he's doing what the director tells him to and you know no no issues with him mm-hmm. um but like look at the artwork hanging up how old do you think this kid is in the movie jeez i don't know like like 8 to 11 yeah something like that yeah. all the artwork in his room it's stick figures it is drawn yeah, by the I director's 2 year old child uh the like the, oh, the mac and cheese like i wrote this down because i just thought it was gross the neighbor like brings over mac and cheese as a like i get i don't know if he's trying to get with the mom i don't know if they're supposed to imply yeah, that there's I, feelings I there i that too like they ugh. but he brings over like the the most unappetizing craft mac and cheese you've ever seen mm-hmm. and of course falls in it and then there's this mac and cheese on stuff and it's just like, I'm watching it, I'm like getting grossed out, because I'm like, I really feel like they didn't have the time or budget to clean up the mac and cheese. Like, every one of those actors went home with mac and cheese on, like, in their skin, and that made me really grossed out. Yeah. Ugh. Um, the, oh, there's a lot of, like, Santa fell, and he screams, and that's supposed to be funny! I um, guess, yeah. Yeah. Um, the actor who played the neighbor marcus yes so i i thought at one point i'm like i'm trying to figure out what he's doing as an actor is he playing this is he playing the character as nerdy is he playing him as like mildly autistic is he playing him as damaged and then at a certain point i decided i'm like you know what it is it's that this actor could not um swallow his pride enough to to play this role earnestly Mm -hmm. like i i think he like like anybody would read the script and be like oh god i gotta do this i think that comes out in his performance it's (sighs) yeah it's it's painful to watch yeah i guess yeah and it's 
like it's gross. Like Santa sneezes and it's a giant like joke because he sneezes and snot comes out. Yeah. And I mean, look, hey, my cat I, I has forgot herpes about and when she sneezes, that's what it looks like. Um, but like, it's not I like, I don't eh, like this is kind of like a babysitter movie in a way. This is the movie that or I always I remember thinking this about like the Nutcracker 3D. This is the movie that you give to the substitute teacher to put on. This way, Ugh. the students don't actually like the substitute teacher. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not like, oh my god, yay, Mrs. Mrs. Intravia is out today, so we're going to get to watch a movie. It's like, oh, Mrs. Intravia is out. Oh god, I hope we don't have to watch Santa Claus again. <sighs> right? Because it's, it's, it's really bad, and it's hard to pay attention to. I had trouble, and that's why I was worried, because I watched this like a week ago, and I'm like, oh god, I hope I took good enough notes to remember what happened. Yeah, it was hard to pay attention to. Um, it was stupid, like, I to, to criticize it for, like, not having a good story or not having the characters make sense or be consistent <laughs> seems like an arbitrary complaint at this point. Like, there was no actual arc. Nothing made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't understand the idea of Santa being allergic to cats because he, like... It's really it's not problematic. Like, like, yes, he's good at coming in contact with some cats. Yeah. Um also, at some points, people couldn't see him, and then I was wondering, like, is he invisible if you don't believe in him? Yeah, there was but a then, whole thing about the hat and having magic and not having magic. And I didn't understand, and, like, the kit, like I said, the kittens weren't as, weren't cute enough to be compelling, and they weren't even in it enough. No. There's this weird side story about the uptight mom and the wacky neighbor, and the wacky neighbor has, like, the oldest, okay, Fucking Santa Claus. I know it's supposed to be funny, but it doesn't make sense. Santa Claus comes one night a year. Motherfucker has been waiting to see Santa his whole adult life, <laughs> and he doesn't have a video, like a, something yeah. to record on, queued up. What the fuck? It's not funny because it's infuriating. Right? It's just stupid. It's like, there's very a scene st- where he, and I guess it's there just so that they can put a Sharknado joke in. Oh, yeah. Because it's him going through his VHS collection, oh. trying to figure out which tape he can tape over. And, of course, it's Sharknado. Sharknado is one. He's like, no, I'm not taping over that. Wink, wink, yeah, asylum. Right. And. Thanks, guys. Yeah. And, like, so it's, like, real, like, again, it's. Also, I think, I feel like every single thing about this movie was them trying to fill 90 minutes. Yeah. So, like, Santa Claus also has a peanut allergy. And we learn so, this when he sits down and eats a cookie that has peanut, that's a peanut butter cookie. And we argued we talk, about whether or not it was a nut or butter or not. It? it is, because I saw it, I saw the cookie, and I said, oh, that looks like a nut or butter. And then you get the big reveal that he he has a peanut allergy, which makes it make sense that it, it would be a nut or butter. Then, yeah. I know that Nutter Butters are shaped like peanuts. I just felt like watching this movie that there was no way the Asylum was going to spend full price on brand name cookies. But I don't think you can get an, a Nutter Butter that looks like that that's generic. Are there even generic Nutter Butters? That's oh, a question for questions. the people out there. I questions mean, I have. Oh man, people who go to like big supermarkets like Kroger, uh, look at the cookie aisle and tell us if there is a generic Nutter Butter. A store brand, Crasdale or whatnot, Nutter Butter. I don't know. I don't know. Who can, who can know? I, just, who can I know find it really hard to accept that the Asylum would have spent money on Nutter Butters. 
unless that was all craft service. The entire craft service for this movie consisted of macaroni and oh cheese and nut butter. Oh my butters. god, I bet you that they just somebody had cuz those are the nut butter minis yeah. which you could you can get in the little bags. I bet you somebody fucking had them <laughs> and, and they're then all they opening wrote up the bags and putting about him <laughs> having a peanut allergy. Like oh, he also I bet he also look. It, it'd be great if he had a peanut allergy. Somebody's patting themselves on the back until they fall over for that one. Oh God! Because they're like, look, we can get another slapstick thing in there by having somebody have to stab him with an epipen. Oh boy! Oh boy, indeed. Because also, like, <laughs> how do you fucking sit down and eat a cookie and not know it's peanut butter? Yeah, you I don't know. smell like, oh, that. What? I mean, yeah. you don't look and and you or you don't think to. If you have a peanut allergy, you're pretty on top of that these days, right? Yeah, I guess Santa's just stupid. He's an idiot in this movie. He really is. I mean, considering that three kittens can do his job, yeah, I think it's proven in this movie that it's not that hard to be Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Three kittens with awful CGI mouths that are really uns- – I, I hate CGI mouthed animals. I find it, it like it was really disturbing. Yeah, looking. it's creepy. I'd rather them like not move their lips like Homeward Bound. Yeah. Um, just, but the like when it's a kitten and all of a sudden only its mouth is moving, I just it freaks me. Like it really gives me like it's just one of those things that I look at and I'm like, yeah, uh, no, no. And it's just staring off into space with its mouth. Right, because the eyes are always dead. It, they never yeah. blink. Uh and it just makes me like fear the day I'm going to wake up and I'm going to turn and I'm gonna look at my cat and my cat's just going to start talking to me with his dead eyes and his mouth. Mm-hmm. And yep. it is going to be the most horrifying day of my life. There is no question mm-hmm. about that. Oh, God. Um, and what's interesting, I think, is we'll find parallels to the other movie in question, uh, <laughs> including why is so Santa's like a magical guy who can do all this great stuff. Why is Santa's magic always wasted on decorating things? He's got weird priorities, I think. Yeah. Both movies have a scene where Santa's like, magic! And he, like, waves his hands and there's Christmas decorations. But, Santa, why can't you do that at a homeless shelter and give everybody clothing? You know? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he he only has decorating. That's, like, powers. I I suppose that is fair. Do you have much more to say about I don't think I have anything. I really hated the neighbor. Oh, God, I did. I hated his relationship with the adult cat. Yeah. I don't that know. Was weird. I hate- that was so weird. Hated everything about because I'm like, are they trying to make him a villain? Because he's kind of a dick to the cat. Yeah, like he catches the cat and he's like imprisoning it. It's like, what is he going to do to this cat? And then, um, like, then suddenly he meets the kittens and he's like, I love kittens. And he's rolling around with kittens, and I don't know if that's supposed to be funny or charming or what, but it's just weird. And he's awful. And I I felt really bad for the actress playing the uptight mom. Yeah. Because she's completely capable. She is doing what the script calls for. Uh, I feel like she could, I'm sure she could do a, not do a better job. She does as good as, Meryl Streep couldn't be better in this movie. Yeah. Uh, I just felt bad that this woman had to do this. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And again, I think, I, I Did you watch this first or Santa Paws first? I, w- I watched this first. Oh, so Santa Paws is going to be like a 11 out of 10 for you, isn't it? It was it was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. Yeah, I life. did the reverse. I watched Santa Paws and then I watched this. And 
boy, did this make me appreciate Santa Paws. <laughs> but I do wonder if my my rating would be like 10 points higher if I'd done it the other way. So on that note, how about we rate it? Quality of film, Christine Makepeace. Um, three. That's where I was going to go. I was going to go like three yeah. and a half, I guess. Uh, it is a movie you could put on kids i think they'd be bored but at least you can put it on in the background but at the same time like i wouldn't really want kids watching this because there's stuff that's just stupid and not offensive but i don't i don't want my kids to laugh at snot jokes and stuff yeah yeah quality of life (sighs) three yeah i was gonna go two and a half for me uh i'm glad i saw an asylum family movie but boy, yeah, it's an interesting point. anomaly, right? Yeah, and it makes sense that if anything, because I know that they also do like the Hallmark Christmas movies. They do um, the like romantic, you know, cozy garden Christmas movies. Asylum makes them, and I watched part of one, and it was I wouldn't have known that it wasn't Hallmark watching mm-hmm. it, or that it wasn't like Hallmark or Lifetime or Up. It felt like it didn't feel so handmade, whereas this was clearly made by a really cheap studio. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, So that is our take on Santa Claus. Uh, It is on Netflix. It was directed by Glenn Miller, who did Zoombies, which I actually heard good things about, but I haven't watched. Yeah, I haven't watched it either. Yeah. um, I mean, again, this could have been filmed in four days, for all I know. It was probably written over lunch, but that still doesn't excuse it from not being a good movie. Not good. So on that note, let's take a break and come back and talk about the best movie we're going to talk about this week of the two. Maybe all year. Maybe all year. Certainly of December, because I think this is our first December episode, uh, which is, of course, The Search for Santa Paws. The Search for Santa Paws. Disney, or Disney um, uh, uh, 99 Cent Disney versions, version of Annie Meets a Talking Dog Christmas Movie. Christine, tell people what this movie is about. All right, let me strap in because this is a dense one. This one um, has a lot going on. It's got a lot going on. All right. Let me see if I can go chronological here. Um... I guess at the beginning-ish, 
Well, there's Santa. All right. Yes, there is. And he's got dogs and elves, and, and everybody's talking. <laughs> but no, and you know what? No point, cats. I guess Santa is really allergic to cats. Yeah, there's no cats. There's dogs. This is at the point where you meet the dog. I believe his name is Eddie, and he wears shoes throughout the film. Oh, now, God, that is, Jack Russell Terrier who looks miserable for the movie. Let's just remember that every time you see this dog, he has shoes on. And he looks so miserable. He's, if you've ever dressed up your dog and the dog doesn't want to be dressed up, but like just kind of takes it, but gives you that look as if to say, I hate you, that's this dog in this movie. He is miserable. I could, I, you know what, honestly, I only want to talk about this dog. <laughs> I became obsessed with this dog. He almost made me cry at one point because I just loved him. He, when he's, oh, so in the opening, he's in little elf shoes. Yes. On each front and back paws. Yep. And he's like kicking his dumb little legs because <laughs> he's, he's trying to get these fucking these shoes off his paws. elf shoes. Oh, he's so cute. I wrote okay. in my notes, the poor Jack Russell mix who can barely walk in his elf dog shoes. I, it, it's like, it's transcendent. This dog in those shoes. <laughs> it, it it's, it changed my life. I can understand that. He's so cute. Okay, so it's all this Santa stuff's happening, and I'm having a hard time paying attention because the dogs get shoes off. There's a lot going on in that opening scene. But, but then, but then there's also this couple inherits kind of a toy store in New in New York City, Quote big unquote, New York City. Store. Fake New York City. Oh my god, fake New York. Uh, uh, yeah, so they inherit this, and they have to make a profit, and then it becomes theirs, and then they're going to sell it. But then also there's orphans. There's these orphans, and then the lady from Reno 911 takes care of them. Please, does Mrs. Hannigan. Does a really bad job, and one of the orphans, she is adorable, but she talks the most. I saw the talks like this, and you and, can't really understand. But I love her. She's cute as cute can be. So Santa Claus comes. Do you remember why Santa Claus goes to the city? Period. Is it to look? Does wait? Oh shit! Why does he go? Oh, there's like a yo. He has um like a business meeting. (laughs) Okay, so he knows Santa knows the guy that owned the toy store. That's now dead. They were friends, and the guy who owned the toy store gave him a stuffed dog. So maybe he was going to something about that. I don't know. I told you. No, I it's a like hard some kind of. Um, did I write it down? I feel like it's it's um, specifically like because it's not Christmas Eve that he goes there. Nah. He goes there earlier because it's some kind of like business meeting that he has to go to. It's like oh, I have to meet with the League of Santa uh, enthusiasts or something. Like it's, it's. I think it's like business people in the world that know who Santa is and know he's real and he has to go and like like shake hands and have probably like a brunch with them or something it's so when you you think that this movie is going to be about dogs and then all of a sudden it's about a million other things I couldn't I couldn't focus at first but so really what happens is is there's this dude and he totally fucks Santa over. He steals his bag and he guy. steals his crystal and also Santa loses his memory, I guess, because of the crystal. Because I think the crystal is what makes Santa magical. But why did he forget? Whatever. Either way, he fr- I think you know he gets hit by a car or knocked down or something. 
So yeah, that's dude, right. He does get hit by a car, and the then the homeless guy is like, "No, no, no, he's my friend. It's cool." And everybody's like, "Okay," and they walk oh, away. Yeah, it's fine, because that's so, what people in New York do. If there's a whole, if a man gets hit by a car, and a homeless I, guy says, "No, no, no, he's with me," yeah, New Yorkers totally walk away. That's what we do. Up a wall, because now Santa is disoriented, doesn't know where he is, and doesn't know who he is, mm-hmm. and everybody's ignoring him, and he's like straight up asking people for help. Yep, that's not real life. That wouldn't happen. Like, I know New Yorkers have a, um, a like a stigma and like a reputation for being like, oh, nothing phases us, so we don't care. But the truth is, we will help out a brother in need. And if there is a old man walking around the city who clearly is Asking like, for I help. don't know who I am, people are going to help him or people are going to say, you know what, hang out here, let me call 911 and get someone for you. I've done it before. I know many people who've done it. New Yorkers exactly. are good people, man. I know, and it did bother me, too. Um, so it's nice to know that you also yeah. felt that way. Um, so, yeah. He gets confused, but he, I guess, remembers about the toy store. And he goes in, and crazy random happenstance, they had ordered a Santa, and then he thought that this was the Santa. So this man with absolutely no identification and doesn't know who he is starts to be this toy store Santa and also live in the toy store. Apparently working uh, off the books. Which is weird, but fine. Remember, this is about dogs, so there's still dogs. So there's a dog named Paws, and he's white and fluffy <laughs> and looks kind of dopey, but is real cute. He's cute. He looks like an old dog I had, Ike. He hangs out in the city looking for Santa, and if you believe in Christmas, in the spirit of Christmas, you can hear him talk. Yep. And he meets up with these orphans and starts chilling out with them. Um, it's really it's really dense. Why is this movie about so many things? What's going on? But the orphanage is really bad, too. Like, everyone gets treated really bad, and sometimes you have to go sit in the basement near the heater. Yeah, and there's know. a furnace, and... Mrs. Hannigan from from Reno nine Mrs. Reno nine one one will like burn if she finds that you have toys she'll burn them in the furnace so it's crazy so she finds so Paws comes and hangs out with the orphans she steals Paws's crystal Paws turns into a stuffed dog and she incinerates him he almost gets she burnt almost burns to, him death. to death yeah it's so that little girl almost dies too yep. Oh my god. So while all this is happening, so Santa's disoriented, he doesn't have his crystal. When Paws didn't have his crystal, he turned into a stuffed dog. Oh wait, Santa Claus is dying. So right. now I forgot there's that Santa Claus is dying in this movie. My so, god. So like the North Pole gets super concerned. So like um they send Mickey from Seinfeld. Yep. And the dog with the shoes to go find him, but the dog, they become, it's like a taxi dog now. It's a very important transition. So it turns into a taxi and the dog's in the taxi. He's got a little seat and little shoes. It's adorable. (laughs) They go looking for Santa. It's now everybody finally like runs into each other. Like the orphans hook up with the, with the toy store people. You forgot about the, um, like street dogs. Oh my god, there's street dogs? But they're all purebred dogs. It's like an English bulldog, a Westie. Like, these are not street dogs. Also, why the fuck was that dog? Isn't that a Scottish sheepdog? Why was he Jamaican? Oh my god, there is a a Jamaican dog. Is when I lost it. I had to pause the movie because I started laughing so hard. I think I might have teared. 
like it really was about a five minute pause of of Uh-oh. pause <laughs> pun. Yes. and like i think brandon just stood there looking at me shaking his head because i was like this is, this is a dog is jamaican and it's not a jamaican breed but it's because he's got it's um oh i always forget the dog breed it is a uh i didn't write it down um oh a pulley a pulley okay and, yeah, but they're like is- they're like mop dogs like they have very thick yeah. that's very like kind of the consistency of dreads and that's why they make the fucking dog jamaican and it's so stupid oh my god it is so like he's saying like mon but i think he even doesn't he even talk about like lighting a doobie or something i feel like they know. go there with this dog they have the dog wear jamaican colors at one point they dress the dogs up like it they really go far with it so yeah that's also happening i can't believe i forgot about that that's a thing, too. There's these street dogs that Paws hangs out with for, like, a hot minute or mm-hmm. something. And on top of that, the San- the guy that stole Santa's bag and crystal puts on the crystal to steal money from – in the Santa jacket to steal money from the poor and pretend like he's collecting. And then he slowly starts to turn into Santa. Um, Mickey, Mickey from Seinfeld finds him, takes all the stuff back. So he reverts to un-Santa. I guess he's a homeless guy because he was sleeping on a bench. That was my and then understanding. everybody just forgives him and he becomes part of the hunt for Santa. So does a Boy Scout. Also, there's reindeer in Central Park <laughs> for numerous days. Oh my god, I forgot about the Boy Scout. The um, So many things are happening. The, the, the Boy Scout is like this just random kid that we find that finds the reindeer and is like, I'm going to help you, Santa. And look, I I am sympathetic to lisps. I had a lisp for a very long time, but like they cast this kid and we're just like, they're like, all right, we need a chubby kid. We need a chubby kid who wears glasses. Uh, he's not cute enough. Let's give him a lisp. Hey kid, do you have a lisp? No, we're going to knock your front tooth out. So you have a lisp. Like it is just the most blatant, um, like, heartstring pulling like the way the orphan girl talks like this this kid talks like santa i'm gonna make sure this is the best christmas ever and yeah that's a thing (laughs) and the reindeer you're right they're just stuck in central park for like a week they just and no one says anything or does anything so finally everybody gets together and really it's everybody all the dogs and the orphans the orphans and all this stuff to get santa and they Find, well, Santa's in the hospital because he's, he's dying. He's dying. He doesn't have a So they get crystal. Santa. And it's really important at this point to note that the taxi has turned from a taxi into an ambulance and the dog is now dressed like a little nurse. <laughs> I forgot that. I fucking love that dog. <laughs> oh, at one point he runs down the stairs in his little shoes and he looked so distraught. I love this it. Dog. This dog. This was like, man, oh. you talk about what is the worst treatment of an actor on set like was it Shelley Duvall in The Shining was it Maria Schneider in Last Tango in Paris was it this poor fucking Jack Russell in The Search for Santa Paws this this dog made my day this movie was so much better because of this stupid dog (laughs) Um, so they get Santa and they're like Santa here's your crystal and then oh it's not enough Santa's too far gone and then Paws is like he can have my crystal too I'm gonna hang out with him and then, I don't know, he hangs out with them and gives Santa his crystal, and then he turns back into a stuffed dog. So then Santa goes to the North Pole to summon up magic. 
and I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, <laughs> but not only does he summon up the magic to turn Paws back into a real dog, but he also turns Paws into a, like a wolf, <laughs> and his name is now Santa Paws. Yes, because and that's the end of the as opposed movie, to just and I never want to talk about it again. Wait a minute, you're forgetting some things. <laughs> oh, that without filling out any paperwork or having any type of background check, these people just take in two orphans. No, more than two. They adopt all of them. No, I thought they just took the two girls. I know. I think they say we'll take them all, and it's like six no other little girls. Way. Fuck you. No, they don't. Because those two little girls are sitting on the couch when Santa comes. Maybe the other ones have to live in the basement or something. Oh, no. No, I they don't... say we'll take them all because all the other little girls are there too. I can't believe it. Oh, God. This, ah, uh, boy, this movie. Um, we haven't talked about the songs. <laughs> the opening song, I was like, as soon as it started, Brandon's like, are you sure Christine's going to actually watch the whole movie? Because <laughs> the did. opening song is so... Like like we're saying about how chaotic this movie is, the opening song is the epitome of that. Because it is Dog in Shoes, it is Elf from Seinfeld, it is Santa Claus, and they're singing this very unmelodic Santa song about Christmas, and it goes on forever. And I'm watching this, and I am just grinning and cackling, because I'm picturing you watching this! I did watch it. Yeah. Uh, so you have that one. Then you have um, a song that the little girls sing about friendship. The When they all get pretty dresses. Uh, was that the pretty dress song or was that a song later on? I talked through most of the songs. There were. Unless the dog was there. Well, there was like the one song that was the, um, I mean, you could just basically take all the songs from Annie and just fit them in here. Because you had the one song that the, the orphan girl sings. Oh, yeah. And that's the, like, maybe far away, that Annie song. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then you have the It's a Hard Knock Life song, where Mm -hmm. they also sing about friendship and stuff. Um, Yeah. Oh, the music. Oh, the music. Um, So when I started watching this, I was kind of started watching it from the viewpoint of, I wonder if this also fits all of my Cozy Cardigan Christmas tropes. Mm Mm-hmm. And it fits a lot of them. Can we talk about the dead parents in this movie? There are dead parents in this movie. Yeah. Um, the little orphan girl is like an orphan for a day when they're bringing her to Miss Hannigan's. And like everybody keeps asking her like, where are your parents? And what does she say? They didn't make it. They didn't make it. What does um, that mean? And they never explain what that means. Like, were they on a cruise and the ship went down? And the parents, like, sacrificed their... Like, it had to be that they sacrificed their lives for her, right? That's a dark I, thing for... It's one thing to say there was an accident. Or, yeah, like... Right, they but, didn't like, make they it. They didn't make it. Sounds fucking creepy. It really does. Yeah. Uh, it's supposed to make us feel bad. Uh, uh, yeah. Sure. But it also just makes me wonder a lot... Yeah. Uh, the couple in the beginning are kind of, the guy is kind of business esque because he's like, I'm in a CPA and I can't take time off to run a children's toy store. And they say they don't have kids, and you're like, oh, is it because they're too busy for kids? But then they actually mm-hmm. say, oh, we haven't been blessed with children. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, I guess they couldn't have kids. Well, that's nice that now they have nine, right? 
or two, depending on how you read the movie. The kids. I don't think the they were good enough. Social worker was nothing special for them. Um. So let's talk about the look of. So Santa is played by that character actor whose name I didn't write down, but you would know him. He's in many things. Mm-hmm. Um. Did he look weird to you as Santa? Did okay. Yes. Did he make you think of the mask in the Silent Night remake that we watched last year? Because he made me think of that. I mean, I guess I could see that. He didn't look pleasant or welcoming. No, and I don't know what it was. If it was just the makeup, or if they did something weird to his the mouth. makeup. Was, the makeup was weird. Um, his eyes were weird. Yeah, it's very strange. Mrs. Claus is played by Patrick uh, Patricka Patricka Darbo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, I mean, you'd, you'd recognize her from many things. I recognize her primarily from uh, Days of Our Lives. Mm-hmm. So oh, that yeah, was that's, exciting. That's probably what I recognized her mostly from, too. Two Days of Our Lives references in this. Oh, yes. Oh, and R.I.P. Joseph Mascolo, um, who played Stefano DiMera, passed away. Oh, okay. That's very yes, sad. I didn't know that. But, I mean, like the Phoenix, we all assume he'll rise again, because he, mm-hmm. I mean, he's died like 12 times on the show. I think he's okay. Um, let me see. We had dead parents. We had poor, um, Wendy, what's her name, uh, from Reno 911. Like, clearly, I get the feeling she was not given much direction. So she's like, all right, I'm just going to play it broad and I'm going to do what I, what I'm going to do. And it doesn't make sense as a performance in the context of what you get. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I was happy to see, we forgot about the dog catcher. There's a dog catcher too. The dog catcher. Uh, that is played by, um, the guy who is on, he's on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. He plays Daryl. So I was happy to see him. Um, the, oh, there were montages. There was, I feel like there was a lot of montages. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was the montage in the friendship song because it's pause remembering his friendship with Santa Claus. Uh, I wrote in my notes, are the singing kids on the same quaaludes as the dogs? Oh, boy. Yeah. Also, don't you think it's weird that Santa Claus's best friend is a dog? Well, and vice versa, to be honest with you. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty close with my cats. We have a a certain kind of friendship. All right. So I understand it. But Santa had, like, other dogs around. I don't know. It did seem like he kind of took a shining and favorited this dog very quickly. And if I was Eddie, the poor dog forced to wear elf shoes, I'd be a little jealous. I agree. Eddie was my favorite. He'll always have my heart. Uh, How much did you love? Okay, so this movie is clearly not shot at all in New York City. When Santa is trying to go uh, to figure out where to go and he asks a kid uh, how to get there. And the kid says, just take the north line. Yeah. Christine, you lived in, in uh, New York City. Yeah, whenever I was somewhere and needed to go a direction, I would just take the North take or the North South Line. Because that's a thing in New York City subways, right? No, it's not <sighs> a thing in New York City subways. It was weird. I definitely, there was a lot of things that like, they could have just had it, I mean, this movie's about Santa Claus. They could have just had it be in the city. Like, yeah, sometimes I don't know why they even try like, like it, it would have been fine if they were just like, oh, you're in, the, you're in the city now, bud. Yeah, they don't need to do establishing shots of New York City because then I'm just going to watch the movie saying there is no street like that. Exactly. You're going to pick it apart. Whereas if they just kept mm-hmm. it broad and breezy. Yep. yep. Oh, boy. Um, the Oh, so did you think something was going on at the end with the social worker and the homeless guy? 
No, I didn't pick up oh, on okay. that. Okay, I wrote in my notes cuz I, I wrote in my notes um oh, actually a sweet ending cuz I like that the couple adopted all these kids. I'm I'm very pro adoption. I think it's great when movies like do that in a positive way. And then I wrote that and then I wrote even the homeless guy and the social worker seem to maybe find love. Maybe no. I was reading into it cuz they were both like seemed like they could have been a couple. Oh, I didn't pick up on that, but that doesn't mean anything. I've, I may be reading a lot into these movies. I've been watching a lot of romantic uh, Christmas movies lately, as you know. Um, I have heard that. Yeah, and then I just wrote in my notes, oh my god, the Jamaican dog. I wrote that like five times, because five oh my times. god, the Jamaican dog. He kept showing up. Oh god. And like, there's also a Scotty who, no, it's not a Scotty, I think it's a Westie who has a Scottish accent. Yeah. And the English, you know, this pissed me off. That's an English bulldog, and they have him talking like a newsie, eh? Yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah, and then they give him, like, a gold chain. Yeah, yeah, and then at the end they make him, like, a rapper, eh? Okay, he's an English bulldog. He's a British bulldog. Instead, he should have been, like, hey, chop. Like, he should have been British. Good day, governor. Good day, governor. <laughs> Mary Poppins, right? <laughs> That's what he should have been doing. And Disney owns Mary Poppins. They could have done that. I agree with you. But I'm not mad at this movie. <laughs> I mean, in the scheme of things, this was easily the winner of the week. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. I mean, I have seen some really bad animals, human stuff movies. Uh, like I said, I've seen Cats, the movie. I've seen Ozzy about the talking koala bear. I have seen Ed, the movie where Matt LeBlanc has to deal with fart jokes from a chimpanzee for the entire movie. This was like, in those rankings, this is like a B plus, A minus. Yeah, it was really good, all things considered. Uh, I am, the sequel, I know there's a direct sequel, right? There is Santa Paws 2. Santa Paws 2. Which, it's kind of confusing in like a Fast and Furious way, where the the sequels, I feel like they're going to get out of control with how they're going to number them and name them. Yeah. Um, Because there's also like, snow buddies santa paws like there there are spin-offs i know that the little the little girl who talks like this she's in santa paws too but she's playing a different character weird what kind of do you know this movie is, shit is that? 2010 2010 huh can you believe this movie was like is like six years old you know i can because i feel like i've watched the trailer for this endlessly <laughs> I think the trailer must have been (laughs) some movie that I watch a lot. I don't know what it is. um, Had this trailer. And so I've seen the trailer for this movie so many times. Mm -hmm. And I remember the way the trailer went because it would be like, it just looked like super cheesy and super earnest. And then it would just like stop. And then the dog would just sing like Christmas. And I always remember thinking that was the funniest thing in the world. And I remember rewinding it five times the first time I saw it. Um, so I feel like I've known about this movie forever, but I have never taken the plunge, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. One of those little girls looked really, like, I think is an actual actress now. But I forget the names and it's really hard to navigate. Yeah, that's true. But, like, the one little, like, brunette girl, I'm like, she's, I've, like, she's also good. Like, she seems like she knows what she's doing. And I think I've seen her in stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, the the girl, the kid actors in this were actually pretty good. I thought they were for sure. Like, they were all likable. They weren't like obnoxiously annoying. The the like the older girl in this, who's like the like a really pretty young lady, mm-hmm. like it's, I'm like you know she, I could see her having a career. Like you know, 
is the other little girl. I don't know if this is how she always talks. But if not, then I think she <laughs> can probably have a career as well. Yeah, she was she was really cute though. Even though she talked kind of, she annoying. was cute. She was like you looked at her like she had big brown eyes. She was a cute little girl, um, but it also felt like the movie was like we got our cute little girl. Let's make sure everybody knows she's cute. Yeah, her parents Whis- didn't make whisper- it. They didn't make it, so she whispers exactly. Oi. but yeah. So you're gonna watch the sequel, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I gotta watch it. I'm really curious to see how this series I'm, I'm very curious as well. Man, you know, I it was uh it was an interesting thing when you picked these movies because I didn't know what we'd get. And I am I am glad we got as much out of these as I was hoping we would. I think honestly, maybe the best movies I've ever picked. <laughs> I wouldn't argue that fact. I would not argue. <laughs> and I really do think um you know, it's it's like anything that sometimes you need to experience, um, like, it's like when you, like a service, let's say, I don't know, getting a haircut's a bad example, but uh, my, actually my sister is a dog groomer, and she said this before, of um, how, like, she kind of likes sometimes when her customers go to other groomers and then come back to her, because what happens is they go somewhere else to think that they could, like, save money, and then they realize, oh... I'm getting what I pay for when I bring my dog to you. Like, yep. you, you do a really good job. There's a difference. This isn't something anybody can do. Like, there is an art to this, and you're good at it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the case with these movies, when you look at them side by side. They are the same same idea. It is purely Santa Claus and an animal have an adventure. Little kids are involved. And you see a studio like Disney that knows how to do this, even if it's factory churned out. But they, they can put it together and they can make it entertaining and ridiculous and tug a heartstring or two. And then you see the mm-hmm. asylum who's like, oh, we got this. Just uh, talking cats and a uh, cute kid and make a movie. Yep. No, you can't just wing it. Even though I would argue that Disney had their um, idea churning machine turned up a little too high. Oh, very And much. it churned too many of the ideas. Yes, yes. Without question. They definitely had a checkbox of orphans and songs and uh like this they 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 knew exactly what they were doing and it's this is pure you know this isn't written by the screenwriter of this movie um let's see who is oh there's like five screenwriters nobody who wrote this movie is like you know bled for their art or or got angry that this great line was cut like no this was a job Mm -hmm. and this is the kind of movie that you do show to kids when you babysit them yeah for sure yeah so on that note christine yes quality of film (laughs) 6.5 i was gonna go with the six because for what it is this is this i mean it it is a it is better than average for the genre that it is doing mm-hmm. quality of I life agree. 10 i knew it because of that dog <laughs> with the awkward shoes oh. did you see that dog i oh christine i saw that dog i wrote notes about that dog i'm also convinced that dog was on medication for most of the movie i loved the way he walked oh <laughs> dog hated the way he had to walk i love it oh uh, my quality of life yeah this entertained me so much more than it should have i'm gonna go with a seven and a half 
perfect. Okay, that was the search for Santa Paws, which people it is on Netflix, and we don't want to tell you how to live your life, but we are going to tell Get you you're doing it wrong it. if you don't watch this movie. Uh, Robert Vince is the filmmaker, and I believe he also made a lot of other movies like this. Oh yeah, he made um, Airbud Seventh Inning Fetch, which I've seen, and is actually, you know, for a dog playing baseball movie, it's pretty good. Oh, Christine, you know what he directed? What? Russell what did he Madness. Direct? Oh, I've seen Russell Madness. I I'm familiar with his work. Speaking quite highly of Russell Madness, it's got a little pup in it. Yeah, this this guy's filmography includes Pup Star, Monkey Up, Super Buddies. Santa Paws 2, the Santa Pups, Treasure Buddies, Spooky Buddies, Santa Buddies, Space Buddies. I've Snow always buddies, wanted to see Spooky Buddies. Well, now you know it's coming from a filmmaker you uh, you trust. It's oh, and MVP, somebody I can trust. The most valuable primate and and MVP most vertical primate. Yeah, <laughs> he he knows what he's doing when it comes to animal wrangling. There was also some CGI mouths, which I didn't like, though. I will say, I agree. Yeah. But that's that. Uh, okay. Now, Netflix, rec- aside from Santa Paws, the search for Santa Paws, Christine, do you have any other instant watch recommends? I do. I couldn't decide, so I have two. I have a Netflix recommend and an Amazon recommend. Oh, what, what a nice, how generous of you this Christmas season to give so much. I know. I couldn't pick. So the... Uh, Brian De Palma doc was yes. on, I don't know if it still is, it should be, is on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. Cool. So everyone should watch it. Um, Very nice. It was great. I don't know if everyone would like it, but if you have a mild obsession with Brian De Palma, you'll probably really enjoy it. Um, I like feel like I, I still need to uh, see, I got, there are so many blind spots I have with De Palma. I still haven't seen Blow Out, Blow Up. Yeah. Blow Out. Out. Blowout. Yeah. Haven't seen that one. Haven't seen a few others. So it definitely does. So it's it, it's really interestingly set up. It, it's his whole filmography chronologically, just him though talking hmm. okay. about cool. it, about like how, like how it was made, observations, how it did, how it led to different things, who he worked with. So cool. it's very it's very narrative. It tells a story, but it's also very much like I'm going to tell you about how the ending of Raising Cain was actually like. So if you've never seen, which it, I have not yet, and that's on my list. Don't watch it for that. Like it'll definitely tell you everything. Okay, not that any of these older movies really hinge on that but i mean it could it's very like uh explicit and and the way it addresses these things but i loved it so that's a big recommend for that and then i watched a movie last night on netflix that i would like you to watch (gasps) and it is called the good neighbor good neighbor yes it is heard that it is a i i knew nothing about it the boy from It Follows is in it, and James Kahn is in it. Um, okay. It's, uh, like, it has a lot of, like, surveillance camera footage and first-person POV footage mixed in with, like, just regular stuff. Um, and it, it pushes the narrative that way. Like, it's about surveilling people and watching people and... um. I liked it a lot more than I expected to. So interesting. Okay, I have not heard much about it, but I am intrigued. Yeah, 
if you're in the mood for something um, a little bit different, it's not, I wouldn't call it a horror movie by any stretch. Okay. So it's interesting to watch those kind of techniques and such. Yeah, those like filming tricks be used in something that's clearly not like, you know, a horror movie. Okay, cool. I will check it out. Yeah. Neat. What do you got? Uh, I have, this is via Netflix, and this was a movie that I had, remember, it came out a few months ago, and a lot of people, I heard differing things, and some people really liked it, and some didn't, but it was a, a horror anthology, uh, and, um, and those have been very hit and miss, more miss than hit <laughs> in the last, you know, but I, you know, a bad anthology is usually at least more tolerable than just a bad horror movie, straight out, because you... If you don't like one thing, it'll change. So yep. I watched Holidays. I haven't seen it yet. I really enjoyed it. Really? Uh, yes. Um, it's a variety. It's so the way this is told is it covers, I think it's eight holidays, just a short, you know, 10 to 15 minute film about different holidays goes chronologically it's the first story is valentine's day and that's by the starry eyes guys mm-hmm. then it goes into saint patrick's day which is by nicholas mccarthy who did the pa- oh no i forget who did um i can't remember who did saint patrick's day but saint patrick's day is really funny and really weird then it's easter by nicholas mccarthy who did the pact mm-hmm. and it ha- which has like the coolest- which i loved and I think you'd really like that segment because it's really funny. It's about a little girl who's the little girl from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which I thought was great. And, like, she's going to sleep on Easter and she starts asking her mother, like, like, so is Jesus a zombie? And what about the Easter money? Like, does he fight Jesus? Like, all these, like, really, like, interesting things like a kid might ask about. And then it leads to one of the coolest um like, practical face-off, like, creations I've seen in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh there's a Mother's Day, a Father's Day, and so on. None of the stories, for me anyway, I think I could see where some people may not like one or two of the stories. Like there's a Kevin Smith one that might be a little polarizing, but it's really short. Mm-hmm. Um, like even the worst one to me was better than like most of the VHS movies. Yeah. And there well, was like that's one or an two endorsement. that were like genuinely like unnerving. Like there's one called Father's Day that's really tense. And I'm like, that's like, that's just a great, a perfect short film. Um, there, I mean, some of them are very funny. They all kind of have twists. They, none of them fall into that thing that most, for whatever reason, Horror anthologies seem to fall into this very misogynist trap, and none of these do. Um, Several of them are very, like, female-powered and kind of, like, turning tables. Uh, There's one segment directed by a woman, which is really nice to see, because if you're making eight movies, it's ridiculous that you can't get one woman in there. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I mean, they vary in tone. Some are scary, some are straight-out funny, but I just really was like in, I enjoyed every segment in a different to a different degree and in a different way. Uh so I really recommend it. Um I'm going to have to make it a priority because okay. I skip it thinking that I'm not going to like it. Yeah, and I, I did for a long time and then I was like, you know, I'm, uh, let me let me give it a go. And then as I look at the names, I'm like, oh, I know that director, I know that yeah. director. Yeah, oh. had I maybe I would be I would have been more interested had I actually bothered to look into who's behind it, you know. Well, it's interesting, though, because, um, like, there's two of the, there's two directors who either haven't done a feature or just have done nothing that I've seen, 
And both of mm-hmm. them, at least one of them was like one of the best segments in there. And then you had like the guy who did, I think, Dracula Untold, like, and another guy who did Legion. Um, I think the Legion guy is the one who did St. Patrick's Day, maybe. But like, it's one of those, oh, I've thought nothing of your other movies, but this was really, like, this shows that you can yeah. do something in 15 minutes. So, yeah, it was a nice, I don't know, like, I was, I really enjoyed it. And um, I'll be curious what you think and curious what others think. Yeah, I'll have to look at it. So now, the next episode, do you have anything burning in you for what to cover? All of the Santa Buddies movies. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I have nothing. I figured this was you because I, I did this to us. It's fair. That is fair. And I've, and I've been thinking hard. Um, I have a few ideas. I actually, okay, here's one that may be a very selfish choice. Remember earlier how I said I've had a Netflix DVD for like two months now? Yes. Well, because I do this really smart thing, which all people who have Netflix DVDs should do, put all of your long waits at the top of your queue because then they'll send you more than one movie because they'll feel bad about not getting your long waits. They send the next movie and then they send your long wait when it comes in. I'm a genius, guys. Trust me. Uh, So as a result, the other movie I've had sitting beside um, Jim Cotta was Michael Haneke's The Seventh Continent. Uh huh. Now I have not seen it. We have not covered any Michael Haneke. I've often it's wanted true. to cover Michael Haneke. Uh, would you like to cover this movie? Am I going to have a hard time finding it? I don't know. Do you have it on a disc? I have it on a disc. Why don't we if, wait to see if, if you I find don't? It? If I don't have a hard time finding it, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> All right. And if you do, we if you do have a hard time finding it, uh, I guess it's going to be Snow Buddies. Oh, thank God. I, no, I can't. I don't even know what movie. I can't find it. <laughs> All right. So we will uh, post on Facebook when we figure out exactly what we're doing. Um, and depending, I, you'll hear me still because I still have a bunch more uh, stocking stuffers to shoot your way. But uh, Christine, would you like to tell the people uh, happy holidays and all that stuff? Happy holidays! Yay. And all Put some shoes on your dog this season. <laughs> and if you see Santa Claus, don't steal his crystal, because that's a dick move. He'll die. Also, don't give him peanut butter or kittens. He'll die. <laughs> yes. If you, on the flip side, if you want to murder Santa Claus, you have a lot of options. Yeah, it seems he's very delicate for being an eternal magic guy. Well, I guess that's an uh, old white man for you. All right, folks. Happy holidays. Good night.